You're listening to About My Father's Business, presented by Iron Wifey. Without further ado, here's your host, the Iron Wifey herself, Michaela. Hello, loves, and welcome back to About My Father's Business, the podcast. Now, this week, we again are talking to Patrice Washington. This is part two. Patrice is the best-selling author of multiple books, a world-renowned speaker. She's known as America's Money Maven, and she's the founder of Redefining Wealth podcast. Now, last week in part one, we discussed Patrice's journey and her faith origins. And we also talked about the crazy story of how she went from wealthy to welfare and back, as well as the lessons she's learned as a kingdom entrepreneur. Now, this week, part two, we're going to talk about the Redefining Wealth podcast, how it was established, uh, where the origins of it began. We're going to be talking about the six pillars that Patrice has established to help anyone not only redefine wealth in their life, but just have an overall sense of well-being in their life. So these six pillars are really going to help us like get our lives in order. Trust me, they really do work. And we talk about the simplicity of money when everything else in life falls into order. So I can't wait for you guys to just tune into this episode. I promise you that part one was amazing, but part two was definitely going to help you build and become a woman who is truly about her father's business. So without further ado, let's jump right back into part two. I love it. Now, you know, I could sit here and talk to you all day long, (laughs) but I do want to shift gears into redefining wealth. So you have this dope podcast where you literally redefine what the definition of wealth is. And so I want to know what your definition of wealth is. Well, I have adapted the original definition of wealth. It's funny, as much as I call it redefining wealth, it's Mm -hmm. just that I'm trying to redefine it for my generation because we have been taught that it's all about chasing money. It's about money and material possessions. And the literal 12th century definition of wealth is the condition of well-being. Wow. And nobody really talks about that. Right. And so because I'm really I've been for a while fascinated with financial psychology, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to explore what would it look like to pursue well-being in all these different areas of our lives that impact our finances Mm -hmm. and understanding that when we walk in these. Right. When we build the confidence and we're more fulfilled in these different areas, our money is naturally impacted. Yeah. So some people put blinders on and it's all about the money mm-hmm. and to the detriment of their health, mm. to the detriment of their relationships, their faith, mm-hmm. and so many other things that are now being compromised because you thought cash was king. Cash is not king. The king is king. Ooh, amen. Right? Yes. Though Our father is the king. Cash yes. is not king. So as much as I'm about my money, you know, mm-hmm. I do my thing. I make my coins. Mm-hmm. But it's not because that's all I pursue. My calendar does not look like cash is king. My calendar looks like I take care of myself. My calendar looks like I value the relationships in my life. You know, we used to say if you look at somebody's checkbook, you can see what they value. Mm -hmm. I say now if we look at your calendar, we can see what you value. Mm -hmm. If the only thing on your calendar is work related stuff, your family's not on there. Your self-care is not on there. Your fitness is on there. It's not on there. Like, your fit. Like, then all you value is money? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good luck with that because that's not the way to actually sustain it. Amen. And I think that goes really well into, uh, crazily, a question that I was going to ask you because um, they say that money is the root of all evil. <laughs> 
So as, you know, a Christian, when you grow up in some Christians, how Christian households, you know, the they they train you if you go for the money or if you're even led to make money, you're not serving the kingdom. You're not living Isn't that for sad? God. It is. I think that's so sad because there are so many stories in the Bible that connect directly to money and business yes. and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and to demonize it is really sad. Yeah. And to misquote scripture, yeah. right? Because it's not that money is the root of all evils, the love of money. Yes. Right? So to me, that goes back to chase. why I say chase purpose, not money. The love of money will cause people to make decisions based on money. Mm. I don't make decisions based on money. I make decisions based on impact. I make decisions based on influence. Yes. And I'm not saying that as someone who's now here you know, with a multiple six-figure business. I'm not saying it from that space. I was like that when I had no money. Yeah. And I truly believe that that is what grew my business. Yeah. Right? Is because I was focused on these other areas that I talk about on the podcast. Um, And, you know, I don't think that you allowing yourself to remain in poverty or struggle or scarcity is noble, you know, to be like, well, I don't charge because this is my God-given gift. Well, in Deuteronomy, it says that it's God that gives us the ability to produce wealth. Mm-hmm. That comes in the form of our gifts and our talents because those are things that were given to us freely. God tells us to be fruitful. He says to be fruitful. How are you going to be fruitful? Yeah. Right? I believe you have to give God something to bless. You have to, you have to put those things out there. And, you know, I hear it all the time because I will get approached to speak at churches mm-hmm. quite a bit. Well, I don't, I'm not, I don't speak for free. Yeah. This is my business. Mm-hmm. Now, when I want to do it, if there's a relationship there, if there's a greater thing, right? But I'm not going to allow church people to pimp my gifts. Yeah. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is the gift that God gave me. And it, it is for me to be a good steward over my gifts. If I allow you to deplete me mm-hmm. and now I can't take care of my family, mm-hmm. but I'm out here. Well, I'm out here doing it for the Lord. He didn't call me to do that. Church people call you to do that. Amen. Church people. Mm-hmm call you and try to take advantage of you mm-hmm. and you know i i love church mm-hmm. I live, i'm a church girl 25 8 mm-hmm. to this day i still love church and all that but i will not allow people to use or abuse me and do it in the name of the lord mm-hmm. and i say listen when god speaks to me because i have my own relationship mm-hmm. so you can tell me all day well god told me you was coming to my church and i'm gonna say as soon as he cc me on that memo I will be there right so I don't think that it does God any favors for you to not be in position to help his people and if you can't help yourself and if you and, and I'm not saying this about people who are on the path right you're on the path and you are investing in sowing and you see where yeah. God is taking you. I'm saying for people who want to demonize using your gifts, yeah. monetizing your gifts, and then they stay spiraling in this same place but want to judge you. Mm-hmm. No. you No. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure you are gifted and talented and you're not taking advantage of it. And because you're not taking advantage, you want to make people who are um, feel bad. Yeah. And... 
I know how hard it is. I used to think that I shouldn't charge for speaking because it came to me naturally. Mm -hmm. And I used to, you know, let people into my programs. Like, let me just, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to help her. Because my heart is like, I want everybody to come. If I could just teach him, Lord, if I could just teach him. You know what he showed me? There is no transformation without transaction. Mm. When I give and give and give to people, those would be the main people who wouldn't take advantage of the program. They wouldn't do the work. They wouldn't show up. Yeah. They wouldn't put the effort in. They wouldn't put the time in because they didn't value it. But the people who paid $1,000, $2,000, $5,000, they're like, oh, I'm getting my money's worth. Yeah. And they show up, they do the work, and they get the results. Yeah. So it showed me that sometimes to help people, you have to stop helping them. Mm. They got to participate in their own rescue. You can't save You can't save them. And I tell folks all the time, I'm not your savior. Jesus Christ is. Mm. Now, my call was not to come save you. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing what I was called to do. Yes. Right? You have to do your part. So I used to struggle with that. But let me tell you, I've been delivered. Amen. I've been well, delivered. Pray for me because I, I need the deliverance. <laughs> I need the deliverance. Y'all know this is about my father's business, and I'm trying to build a business, y'all. So. Yes. We're going to get there. Yes, you will. I believe you will. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, redefining wealth, mm-hmm. you have six pillars. Mm-hmm. The first pillar is fit. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about fit? Fit is about becoming your best self. And I will say, you know, don't hear fit and immediately think that I'm talking about a dress size because <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. I looked relatively thin for a greater part of my life which now I'm hitting on 40 and that's changing a little bit, but still. But you wouldn't um, even think <laughs> So, you know, it's not about a dress size because I looked thin and I was still completely unhealthy. I had no idea that I had really low blood levels, that my iron was so low that I was basically running off fumes mm-hmm. until I ended up in the emergency room. And so, and I went for food poisoning. I didn't even go for that, but Crazy. ended up finding out that that was the issue. Okay. And so here I was saying, God, enlarge my territory. And come to find out the reason I couldn't breathe, the reason that I was short of breath walking up and down the stairs, the reason I was always fatigued, I was like, well, I'm on my hustle and grind, Mm -hmm. was because my hemoglobin levels were 4.8 when the Mm -hmm. woman of childbearing age should be 12 and above. Mm -hmm. So I was completely deficient, iron deficient. And they said, if you were older, you would be getting a blood transfusion today. But we're going to give you time to get to the hematologist this week. And that's why I started doing IV infusion treatments. And I said that to say, look, if God's given you a vision for your life, it's your responsibility to protect the vessel. Like he can give us a vision all day long, but we are responsible. We are the vehicle. Our bodies are the vehicle. Right. So we have to take care of ourselves. Um, I'm sitting up here praying God enlarge my territory, but I didn't have the stamina to do what I do, how I do it now. Once I start taking my health seriously, once I start going to sleep at night, mm-hmm. once I stop abusing my body, talking about, you know, I used to think it was noble. Oh my gosh, I was so busy today. I didn't even have lunch. It, it's something you brag about. Oh yeah. yeah. And people compete about it. They'd yeah. be like, I haven't ate in two days. Well, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> I haven't slept in days. That's worse. Yeah. Right. And so it's not a badge of honor to not take care of your body. Who does that glorify? This is your vessel. And when we say that our body is a temple, you think that's just about sex? Mm -mm. Your body is a temple. Why would you put garbage in it? You know, some people don't even drink water. 
Yeah. They're like, I don't eat green vegetables. How? Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't do this. I only eat that. I smother everything. How? I only yeah. drink soda. How? This is your body. Yeah. You get one body. You're not working to pay for prescriptions you can't pronounce. How? It's so funny you say that because I just learned this lesson like last week. Like, <laughs> like no joke. I just learned this lesson. Maybe it was two weeks ago, but like recently because I I really want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'd never really been that person that was like, oh, I want to have kids. But God has given me the desire to be a mother. And so I know me and my husband we're reaching that point where we're going to start talking about mm-hmm. it. And I was talking to a sister of mine, and she was saying, girl, how are you going to have kids when you got two full-time jobs, you trying to run a business, you don't have time to eat, drink, do anything, and you can't even take care of yourself? And I was like, well, I can make time. Like, I, I made time for all this other stuff. I can make time. And she's like, how are you going to healthily carry a child? Mm-hmm. Your body has to be healthy for that. And I, it hit me because I was like, wow, she's right. Mm-hmm. I need to get my body in order just to make sure that my babies are safe. Yeah. I agree with her. And Good I for ain't her. even pregnant. So. Good for her. <laughs> yes. But that's the thing. It's not about waiting until you have it, right? It's about creating the space for it. Yeah. So I believe that God knows what you're waiting on when he sees what you're working on. Yeah. And that he will honor your effort. Because <laughs> I tried meal prepping this week and your girl doesn't cook. So. <laughs> Look, I don't cook either. I'm not the best cook. My husband is really the, the, the dude. Same here. Yeah, my yes. husband can put it down. So when he doesn't cook, my daughter and I be like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Dad didn't cook and he just went out. Like, what is going to happen, right? Um, but she's absolutely right. It's about creating the space for what you say you want. And the other part about the fit pillar is being mentally fit. And, you know, I talk about all the time, like the power of therapy. Yes. And how, yes, I'm God's girl. Yes, I have quiet times. I have a complete room dedicated to my prayer life. However, I believe that my that my prayers were answered through my therapist. Amen. My therapist is faith based, but and is a black woman. And, man, I feel she speaks to, like, I feel like she gets downloads just for me. Yes. You know? And, and I still It's a stigma. It's a community. It is. And I went through so much childhood trauma mm. that left me feeling really ugly. You know, I knew my accomplishments were rooted in being smart. So that was always my thing, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm smart. I'm smart. So when you talk about cliques of girls in middle school, Mm -hmm. I was never the pretty one. I was the smart one Mm -hmm. or I was the athletic one. So I didn't have like any identity wrapped in being pretty. And in a lot of ways, it it really messed with my confidence. So if if it wasn't a spelling bee, I wasn't raising my hand, you know? Like, I wasn't trying to be out there. I didn't really... I went to dances, but I stood on the wall type of thing. I wasn't really out there that way. And after three years of therapy, 22 to 25, I was 25 years old before I could look in the mirror without cringing. Wow. Because I used to scrub my skin in the the bathtub, wishing I was lighter. Yeah. And... <clears throat> and going to therapy is where I learned to really forgive family members who really planted those seeds. Mm-hmm. And therapy is where I learned to forgive people who would never say I'm sorry. And I learned to have compassion 
for the adults in my family that did me wrong because I, I really learned that, like, man, what kind of childhood did they have yeah. that produced that? And there were so many things I learned, but the bottom line is when I think about my life today, when I recognize how ugly I felt, how I used to hold my lips in because my lips were too big or how I used to squint because I people would say my eyes were too big and awkward or, you know, all the things that people said that had me feeling like the ugliest duckling. Had I not gone and sat on someone's couch and dealt with that type of childhood trauma, there is no way I could be effective in the kingdom today. Amen. Impossible. Yeah. And I'm like, look at what God has done with my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've spoken on stages that had a little over 10,000 people. Yeah. My face has been on four books so far, five coming. And I've done a lot of national television. And a lot of having to put yourself out there. And a lot of understanding that in some environments, people are going to be immediately annoyed by your anointing. And understanding that that's not my business. My business is my father's business. So you mm-hmm. could be annoyed all you want. Yes. But I'm going to be here and take up space because mm-hmm. that's what I'm called to do. Yes. But I only can walk with this confidence because... I feel that God led me to therapy so he could help work some stuff out because I don't mm-hmm. think I could have been used in the same way. Amen. Mm-hmm. So that's fit pillar. Physically fit and mentally it. fit. Next is people. People's about creating relationships that matter. And my big takeaway with that is making sure that we value the people that God has already put in, put in our lives A lot of times by the time I meet people, they are like, well, when I meet so-and-so, you know, back in the day, people would be like, when I meet Oprah, that's the whole business plan was to meet Oprah. That is the business plan. Meet Oprah, the end, right? They had no other. Right. Oprah and (laughs) And Michelle. Michelle. (laughs) I call her Shelly O. That's my girl Um, in my head. (laughs) I've met Oprah, but not Michelle Obama. She's she's right. But Mm -hmm. I'm not depending for my whole business to pop off, Mm -hmm. right, when I meet her. And... There came a time when I really just learned that it is so much better to just ask people, how can I support you, rather asking, what can I get? Mm -hmm. Because when you ask, how can I support you, even if the folks don't need anything from you, it's like a, wow, that's refreshing. Yeah. What can I, and people like to reciprocate. It's human nature. It is. So they'll be like, oh, well, what can I do for you? But Mm -hmm. they haven't even done anything for you, right? Like, you haven't done anything yet. But they're like, well, what can I do for you? So it's it's human nature. And I've used that to my advantage. Um, Much of my career, I would say 98% of what I've received in my career has not been pitched. It has not been me forcing anything to happen. I stay pretty booked and pretty busy Mm -hmm. um, because people will advocate for me when I'm nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and that, every that's day. Business. The best yeah. business. The best way to build a business is by referrals. Oh, yeah. yeah. And every day I'm like, thank you, God, for the people who are talking my name. They're mm-hmm. speaking my name and they're speaking about how awesome I was when I'm nowhere to be seen. Yes. So by the time it gets to me, I'm not ashamed to say my rates. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to share what my value is. I'm not selling you anything you've heard for yourself. You yeah. found me. Yeah. You found me. Now I'm just telling you what it costs to play with me. Come on. Right? 
They want Jesus. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) So people pillar for me professionally is about understanding that there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Yeah. So I treat everyone with respect. I treat everyone kindly. And I don't do that because I want something in return, but that's just who I am. Yeah. I grew up in hospitality. Yeah. I read name tags. Mm -hmm. I call everybody by their name. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people are shocked when they're trying to get the server's attention. And I'm like, oh, Janet? And they're Mm -hmm. like, who's Janet? I'm like, the server. You're trying to get, how'd you know her name? She said it when we started the meal. Hi, I'm Janet. Oh, I say it back because I want to respect her. Mm-hmm. And I want her to know that I see her. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that, you know, she's visible. She's heard. She's seen too. And one of the things that are a big turnoff for me is when I go to lunch or dinner with someone and they're mm-hmm. not respectful of the staff. Yeah. It's not my restaurant. It's not my whatever. You know, it's not my yeah. spot. But... I believe that how you treat people is how you treat people. Yes. And so you can sit here and be kind to me and nice to me because you think I have this platform or this brand or something that's going to help you. But once I see that that's how you operate, I'm not interested. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I've literally canceled interviews. I've canceled gigs because people on my team have told me that someone was very disrespectful. Wow. And I said, oh, we'll tell them no. They're like, but this would be really good for you to go on this show. I don't have to go on that show. I get invited to shows all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I pick and choose. I don't mm-hmm. have to go there. I don't care how many listeners they have. Whoever's Amen. supposed to find me is going to find me. Yes. If they were rude to you, no. You're me. Yeah. You're an extension of me. We're all an extension of one another. So to be rude to you, to dismiss you, to not value you is the same as doing the same thing to me. Right? Wow. So that people pillar is real. I take it seriously. I don't play about it at all. I just had a lovely conversation here in the studio with the woman in the the restroom who was cleaning up. Oh, that's my girl, Yolanda. I love her. That's my girl. (laughs) Right? So, you know, I was like chatting with her and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care who it is. I don't care if you're the CEO or the janitor. I would not know the difference because I'm going to regard you the same. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respect you the same. Yeah. And I do believe that my wealth has been, my relationship currency is what has created so much of the wealth that I experience today in so many ways. And the other part of the people pillar is not just professional, it's personal. Um, My family is on my calendar. I love that. They're on my calendar. Yeah. So it's not about finding time. I make time. Yeah. And... My daughter taught me a valuable lesson years ago. She was like six or seven because I had been on tour and I was doing all this stuff. And she was telling me a story two different times. Once she was telling me a story and I kept saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was smiling and she said, Mommy, this is not a good story. You're not listening. Because oh. I was smiling. And I was like, oh, oh mm-hmm. focus. Because I was reading an email mm-hmm. or something. Then another time... She was trying to tell a story. I had been gone for a couple days. She was trying to tell a story. And she kept calling me Miss Angela, which was my nanny's name. Oh. And I was like, Reagan, it's mommy. And she's like, oh, oh, yeah. Some, 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 Miss Angela. And I'm like, Reagan. And as a mother. hmm Yeah. You talk about feelings was hurt. Yeah. <laughs> my feelings were so hurt. But it taught me. That when I was in her presence, I needed to be present. Yeah. And I can honestly say, because then I had mommy guilt. 
Mm-hmm. I had this like, should I take this? Should I go here? Should I do that? What should I do? I got to work. But, yeah. you know, you know, I had all this mommy guilt. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt today, my daughter's 12 years old. I do not have mommy guilt. Amen. I don't experience mommy guilt because when I'm present, I'm present. Yes. So we're here in the studio. I've probably been here two hours. Yes. My phone is not with me. Yes. I don't have true. my phone. I didn't, I'm not attached to my phone. Yeah. I don't carry my phone around with me everywhere. I don't need to check it all day, every day. Yeah. When I'm in people's presence, I'm present. Yeah. I'm talking to you. I'm not looking on the phone. I'm not looking around. I'm not fidgeting with things, trying to like, you know, yeah. I'm present. And that has been so good because I know that when I come out, when I travel across the country, when I go do something, my family is good. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They're cheering me on. They're the most supportive. They call me in the morning and pray. Or my daughter will say, you know, FaceTime me like, girl, don't mess up. Do the right, <laughs> you know. Um, but we have such a great relationship. Yeah. And that's come from being intentional about being present. I love it. I actually peeped that when you came in. I was like, wow, she actually looks me in the eyes when she speaks to me. Like, she actually gave me a hug. Like, she's actually speaking to me as a person. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of guests that come, you know, they're just like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. Yeah, where's Dustin? You know, like, mm. when's the show going to start? Like, Oh, wow. You yeah. know, I, you get that. You get that vibe from a lot oh, of people. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But. I'm sure. I get it a lot. I go speak places and I talk to everybody, like I said. So sometimes before I'm actually introduced as the speaker mm-hmm. and I'm just checking it out and I'm like, hi, how are you? Good morning. And people be like, you know, they're like, yeah. why is she talking to me? And then I get up and speak. <laughs> they're like oh good morning hey and it's funny because i always lock eyes with the person that brushed me off mm-hmm. especially when i get to the people pillar mm-hmm. i just flash them a little smile like mm-hmm. you know what it is girl uh-huh. <laughs> and they are all they're always so apologetic and i'm like you don't have to apologize to me yeah. but it's good to be aware of isn't it yes it is. yeah because you never know um um you know I always tell people, Jesus has all the grace for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for many of us, we have one shot mm-hmm. to make a first impression. You do. And don't leave people with this funky. Yes. It's And you know what? Especially if it's not in alignment with who you say you are. Yes. Because my issue... If you're if your whole persona and brand is about being dry or rude or like whatever, like cool, go with it. Like yeah. I expect that. I think a part of my struggle in this culture mm-hmm. is that people pretend to be very women's empowerment and very sister love and sisterhood, and then you meet them in person and they are nothing. Yes, agreed. Like that. Agreed. Oh, I will unfollow you in a when I say as mm-hmm. soon as I get to my phone, mm-hmm. I will unfollow. Like, just be who you say you are online and offline. Yes. My husband always tells me, make sure you have that same energy. Yeah. Keep that same energy. Mm-hmm. Keep that. Because if you're about your father's business, you have to learn to be all things to all men. Like, yes. truly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've I've seen some, and they're girlfriends of mine, and they have huge platforms, and all this stuff and they're like, I mean, they just caught me on a bad day. Nah, I don't really have a bad, a bad day. day. I don't Mm-mm. really have a bad day. I have been rocked to my core. I've had people straight up betray me. Mm-hmm. 
and I literally went to an event the next day and spoke in front of 800 people. And I'm the type of person that when I get off stage, if I don't have to immediately take a flight, I will stand there and talk to every single person until the last person has taken a picture and wow. so everyone who's wanted to tell me a story, because people will be like, I've been following you for five years. I'd be like, girl, tell me about it, girl. Well, yes. Tell, but what did you do with it? Like, I will yeah. stand there and talk to every single person. Two hours? How do you re-energize? Three hours. So the funny thing is, I'm actually an introvert. Really? They would call it now ambivert is a yeah. term. So professionally, I appear extroverted yes um but like after i do this interview i will not speak to anybody i'm gonna call my family and check in yeah and then after that i'm not talking to anybody about anything for any reason okay um so i recharge by being quiet okay and by being still and my podcast episodes the downloads that come to me the things that come to me i can hear them because i'm quiet yeah so I don't even really have music on. I don't really I don't I don't need the TV on for background noise. Yeah. You know, I don't need like all the I literally am silent. Sometimes my husband comes in the house and he's like, I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> right? They're always like they say and I mean I've been the same all this time, but they're always like, How do you sit in here? Because my husband and daughter, they wake up needing to turn something on. I'd be like, Have you talked to Jesus yet? Have you yeah. have you had time? to process for yourself like you know yeah. but i'm i'm just like that so i spend way more time by myself than people think okay my career looks public but personally and privately i'm very quiet okay yeah i love that uh next up space so space is about setting up your life to support you okay and my big takeaway with space is just for people to really understand that your environment really impacts your energy and your creativity. Yes. And, you know, so often I meet people who are like, oh, I've been praying for these answers and I've been, you know, and nothing is coming to me. And I'm like, maybe the answer is there. It's just stuck in all your stuff. Yeah. Maybe because you're so distracted by how much stuff you have, unnecessary stuff. And it's not because I consider myself to be a minimalist or anything, but I do believe that a lot gets stuck in your clutter Ooh. And when you are dealing with a lot of clutter, we'll, at Redefining Wealth, we call it the physical manifestation of chaos in your mind. Mm-hmm. And whenever you are struggling in an area, really frustrated, can't get the answer, it seems like you're praying and nothing's coming to you, I always invite people to look around their environment and see if it's stuck. It's so crazy. I You published that video on YouTube, like mm-hmm. two, three minute video about mm-hmm. how you need to declutter. And I legit was at home cleaning out my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Patrice said I need to declutter. I'm not getting Did anything answers. happen? It did. It really did, which is crazy because it was like, not only did it open my mind because I was more, I was more willing to accept whatever came. And so yes. it was like, you know what? I, I like this. My home is clean. Mm-hmm. My mind is clean. Mm-hmm. I can actually process the thoughts that I have. And so it definitely works. Definitely. It really does work. Yeah. Um, people fight me on it. They'll be like, oh, because the people want tricks. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was coaching a woman years ago and we were on a video conference and I could see her background. 
And I was like, what is all that? (laughs) And I was getting frustrated because, you know, when I coach people, I truly want to see them win. Yeah. So I'm going to give you everything I possibly can, but I need you to do the work. Yeah. Right. And I finally, she was really frustrating me because she had an excuse every week. And I don't really do excuses. Like, Mm -hmm. if you coach with me, you need to be ready for transformation. If you're not ready, if you're not committed, I'm not the coach. I'm not interested, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm committed to you. I need you to be committed to the result like I am. If you're interested, I'm not the right coach because I don't need to take your money, Mm -hmm. right? Just to say I did. Yeah. So I saw her background. I said, oh, I see what's going on. You need to go clean up and we'll try again. Okay. We're not going to have another coaching call until your environment can support where you say you want to go. Because is that the space of a six-figure author, the time she wants to be an author? Does that represent the space of somebody who is out here, like, selling mad books and, like, doing all this stuff? You would not expect to come home with me, Michaela, and my house be trashed. Mm. You would be like, ooh, now Didn't this is just, now I can see about. this coming at all, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. It's like whether I talked about clutter or not, it doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't fit. Yeah. And so you have all this stuff around that's zapping your energy. Yeah. And I want to be clear, whenever I talk about clutter, I'm not talking about A and E hoarders. You know, yeah. people yeah, like no, no. It's, it doesn't have to be hoarders. I'm talking about that junk drawer in your kitchen where yeah. all your mail goes to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm talking about that trunk where yeah. you have 16 different pair of shoes. Some of them are only singles. You can't yeah. find the other. There's tons of stuff. Like, no. Under that bathroom sink. Yes. All mm-hmm. the places, all yeah. the nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. And I'm also talking about even the stuff that may be tucked away very nicely, but it's no longer serving you. Okay. And we have a habit of moving. Now, back in the day, people used to live in the same place for 30 years. Yeah. So, of course, they could pack it in there, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like with our generation, people have a habit of going from place to place to place and taking things just mm-hmm. just because. Mm-hmm. And you haven't necessarily assessed, is this something that I need in this season? Like, yeah. does this still serve me? Mm-hmm. And I know in my own experience, we, we downsized for a year. Yeah. And got out of this huge house in L.A. This is after everything happened, and we went back to L.A. Some, a couple years ago. And we lived in a really huge home, and it was immaculate, and it was always really nice and all that stuff. But when we started downsizing, my husband and I made a decision to literally only keep the things that we really needed, that we yes. really wanted, the things that gave us joy. And so we literally walked through the house and assessed every piece of furniture. Does this bring me joy? (laughs) Like, we were Mm -hmm. like, why do I have this? Some things have been passed on to us by mentors and stuff, and they were nice, and we needed them in that season, Mm -hmm. but the season had expired, and we were still holding on. And, like, how many things are you holding on to so tightly that God can't really give you what you need or what you want right now? Because you are holding on to things that no longer serve you. And I even found myself running across things from, from, like, relationships past like you know you still have those boxes of like all these old letters girl what you Mm -hmm. doing with these old letters yes and didn't that boy dog you that mixtape that he made you back in the day (laughs) baby when you don't even have a cassette player where you going with this tape right and I realized even with my husband you know we've had our ups and downs we've had things that happen I remember that I found a card 
um, from flowers that he gave me. And he's all, he's naturally like very doting mm-hmm. um, and gives me flowers all the time. But that card in particular, I knew exactly why he had given me those flowers and they were not for a good thing. Uh-huh. They were like makeup flowers. Yeah. And I was like, well, why would you hold on to something that reminds you of that time? Because every time you see it, you're going to think of that time. Yeah. And we have a tendency, especially as women, boy, we don't forget. Yes. So it may be out of sight, out of mind until you run across that thing mm-hmm. that makes you go. And he mm, mm-hmm. mm. it's like I wasn't even mad at him today, but mm-hmm. I ran across this. So now I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. side Remember that bracelet that he gave me in the mm. skating ring back right. in the spring, <laughs> but he was actually gave it to her. And then I found out it was supposed to be for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. whole you have all of these stories. It's like, yeah. why are you holding on to that? Mm-hmm. So I've made a choice, a deliberate choice to let go of anything that doesn't serve serve me, serve where I want to go, doesn't help me serve. Yeah. Serve God. Like it takes me down the opposite path of where I actually want to go. It does. It's actually a fresh start. Like people always want to like, you know, redo themselves and, you know, like like have a fresh start. I literally tell people sell everything and start over. Because mm-hmm. when we moved to San Diego, my husband had an air mattress and a suitcase. Yeah. And I came with a blanket and a suitcase. Come on. And that's all That's all we had. And yeah. so it's like, you know what? Just start over. But I had this this couch that I grew up with that was passed down. It's all right. Get new furniture. Literally, you'll Give be fine. Give it a new feel. Renew your mind. Renew yeah. your environment. Um, I think that's really good, too, because it, it helps you not be so attached to stuff. Yeah. Like, I have no attachment to stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm literally, I'm just not attached. Like, if my family is with me, I can make a home anywhere. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm attached to Gerald and Reagan Washington. There you go. Nobody else. (laughs) There you go. Or nothing else, I should say. Yeah. Are you enjoying the podcast you're listening to right now? No worries. It doesn't have to stop here. With more podcast interviews, blogs, and magazine, we want to invite you into our community of sisterhood. We are daughters of a king, which makes all of us sisters in Christ. As sisters, it's our responsibility to encourage and inspire one another. Because at the end of the day, as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. Check us out online, ironwifey.com. That's I-R-O-N-W-I-F-E-Y dot C-O-M. I am taking up so much of your time, but I want to get through these pillars. Okay, so I'll try up. to I'll try to go through them quickly. You don't have to do all that, <laughs> but I know that we can sit here and talk about everything. I know. But um, faith. So faith pillar is about believing in something greater, and I think we talked about this quite a quite a bit, you know, early on. Yeah. Really, just understanding. For me, it's about understanding that look, life is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Accidents don't make appointments. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter if if something that you don't expect to happen is going to happen, it's when. Yeah. Um, I just believe that you shouldn't figure out what you believe or who you believe in in the midst of a crisis because that only complicates it further. And I think that greatness requires you to expect resistance. And if you have a plan for greatness, then you should start to plan for... How am I going to deal with life's trials? Mm. Because walking around like they don't happen is foolish. It's yeah. not wise. Yeah. You don't want it to, but it's coming. Yeah. And for me, I really feel like none of the things I've experienced, I said this earlier, happened to me. They happened for me. When yeah. I look back, I can put it all together. 
But that faith pillar has really made me be consistent in understanding that, look, if I say I believe in something, it's, it's my duty to make time to practice that faith. Yeah. And that's not going to church on Sunday. Yeah. Because I was going to church and was still very spiritually malnourished. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a lot of drive-by devotionals. Mm -hmm. This is recently I went through a season Mm -hmm. of this. And I always tell people on the podcast, I am not your guru. Mm -hmm. I do not feel like I have made it. I don't feel like I have been. No. I'm like, we're all a work in progress every day. And I was speaking back to back to back. I, I can't tell you how many cities I went to from September to November of 2019. And I was in a hotel room working on my book and got that download. Yeah. And I was sitting there snacking on trail mix. My favorite trail mix, Cape Cod. Little cashews, (laughs) almonds, and cranberry. And I was just popping. And I was like, you must eat. You have to eat. You need real nutrients. You can't snack. And the Holy Spirit said, and you shouldn't be snacking on us either. Because your devotionals are snacks. Yes. The word is the entree. Yes. The word is the meal. And you have been putting in place of the word these last several weeks. You've been thinking you're going to make it through this season with these quick devotionals on the app. That is Mm-mm. supplemental. Those are to supplement your studies. That's mm-hmm. not the study. Yes. And I was like, oh, I did a whole podcast episode about it. What does it look like when you're malnourished? You don't respond to things well. No. You don't have the wherewithal to handle life the way it comes. So now people are saying things and you respond. You wilding out. Yeah. Like you're not responding right. You're not fit. You're not fit. You're mm-hmm. not fit. You, you're not. You're malnourished. Mm-hmm. You don't have the capacity. And it shows up in yeah. a lot of ways. So it's not even just when like big things in life happen. You start to get thrown off by little things. Yeah. Every little thing is starting to bother you. Yeah. You're hangry. Yeah. As my daughter says, her, she always talks about my husband. He's hangry, mom. He needs to eat. He's hangry. <laughs> right? And so the faith pillar for me is just if you say you believe in something, make time to practice it. Make time to study it. You know? Um, Because you're not fooling anybody. Yeah. Right? I want to know what was, not what was, but what has been your biggest faith leap? My biggest faith leap? Oh, my gosh. I feel like my whole life is a faith leap. <laughs> um, so much of what I do doesn't make sense. Okay. There's a lot of decisions I make that are completely illogical if mm-hmm. you put it on paper. But... I did it because I felt led. Like when I lost everything and my first job offer um, was from Steve Harvey. Mm -hmm. And it was to come work in the office in the studio in Atlanta. And I needed the job. Mm -hmm. But I was driving there. And this financial education nonprofit I had been volunteering at said, hey, we got this job opportunity coming up. I'm like, when does it start? Maybe nine months. Maybe nine months. I got rent on the first. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I have rent right now, though. Yeah. And yet I went in that office and then talking to Steve and them explaining the job, I blurted out, I can't do it. Yeah. And they were like, what do you mean you can't do it? I said, I can't do it. And I said, I can't do it. I feel like I'm being called to help people mm-hmm. with personal finance. Meanwhile, technically, my pockets was broke. Mm-hmm. But that was my first real lesson in chasing purpose, not money. Okay. Because had I... And that was a faith thing. Yeah. And and to chase purpose, not money, is all about faith. Yeah. Because people 
of course I know you have bills. Yeah. We all have bills. Yeah. I know you got kids. Mm -hmm. I know your kids want to eat here and there. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. I know your gas wants a little car. I mean, your car wants a little gas, right? Like, I get it. I get all those things. I also understand that, you know, that faith leap is saying no to things even when they seem financially lucrative because Mm -hmm. they're not in alignment with your assignment. Mm. And I have said no to so many things. Before I got on the Steve Harvey show, the talk show as a regular, I was offered an opportunity to come on the show, but it was aligned with a sponsor. Mm. And the sponsor, I was like so pumped. I was hyped. I was like, yes, I was going to get paid $15,000 to do like a 10 minute thing on the show. And it would have been my first like time on a national talk show. Wow. And they sent me the script. And at the end of the script, they wanted me to tell people to do something that I did not believe in. Mm. And it was not in alignment with any advice I would really give. Yeah. This was 2014. And I said no. Wow. I didn't hesitate. Yeah. And the producers were like, we've been trying to get you on yeah. forever. Like, what Like, what do we need to do? I said, I can't say that. I yeah. can do the other stuff, but I can't say that. Yeah. And they're like... I said, can Steve say it? He, You know, it don't matter coming out of his mouth. Yeah. But I can't say that because I believe that people trust my voice. Mm-hmm. And if I say something, I need to be able to stand by it 1,000%. Yeah. So even if I'm wrong, I'm willing to, you know, take the heat for what I, what I believe, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just to say that I did it and to say, well, I was on the Steve Harvey show. And, yeah, I got $15,000 for 10 minutes of yeah. work, right? And I didn't take it. Wow. And they got somebody else. Okay. And a couple months later, they came back, got another segment, got a sponsor attached to it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. They sent me the script. I said, oh, I can do that. That's in alignment with something I would really say. I I like that. And that was it. But they, those producers, they had a different level of respect for me. Yeah. They knew. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just be up here all willy-nilly. I don't, I'm not... At that time, yes, TV was the nat- national TV because I had done tons of regional stuff. TV was the next best step in my career. Mm-hmm. And I knew I, I was being called to serve the masses. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, yeah. one one bit of work. You can reach a few million people, you know. Yeah. So, like, it was the natural next step. But I wasn't willing to sell my soul. Mm. Amen. Right. Yeah. And that's my conviction to this day. I've been offered TV shows. I've been offered to be on other TV shows. I've been offered a lot of things. And if it, if God does not release me, it's a no and it's a quick no. It's mm-hmm. not even like a let me sleep on it. Mm-hmm. I can read an email right now and be like, nah. Yeah. Be like, but you didn't even ask them how much it was. I don't care how much it was. Yeah. What do I care how much it was for if it's yeah. not what I'm supposed to say? Mm-hmm. They don't have more money than God. Amen. <laughs> God could bless me with anything. Yes. Why would I jeopardize my blessings trying to go after somebody else's? Come on now. Yes. Come on now. Absolutely not. So I feel like my life is a faith leap. Um, I do understand that it takes an extreme amount of faith mm-hmm. to say no yeah. to things that are put right in front of you. When I don't know what's down the corner, like yeah. I don't know what's around the corner down the street, 
And really quickly, because it's just on my heart, and I don't mm-hmm. know who needs to hear this. Like, this happened to me the other day. I had a client who wants to come to an event that I'm doing. She mm-hmm. wants to come to command the stage. Yeah. And she just signed up for another program that I have, um, Purpose to Platform, but I haven't seen her implementing yet. Mm. And she she reached out to my support staff, um, the tech woman, and, and told her, can you help me put my registration for command the stage across three credit cards? And so in the team meeting, mm-hmm. they were like, just so you know, so-and-so is going to come, but she needs help putting it across three credit cards. I said, she needs help putting it across three credit cards. I said, oh, no, she can't come. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what? And so the girl who does my tech, she works on well, a couple people, not just me. And she was like, I have never seen somebody say, no, somebody can't give me $2,500. I said, no, she can't come. Like, she has enough to do in the program that she's in, and I need to see her doing the work and making the results. If she was doing what I told her to do in the first place and getting the results, she would need to spread this out on no credit cards. Yeah. So I need her to do the work. So I sent her a video. And I was like, I love you to pieces. Mm -hmm. You cannot come to command the stage. Now, of course, I'm a business owner. Of course, I want to sell out my event. Right? Yeah, Yeah. of course. But at what cost? Yeah. Especially when I know that I know. If I know that you might be struggling or having a... I'm all for the stretch because I've stretched and invested in myself too. But I always have a plan to do the work based on what I invested. Yeah. So that was, let's say, Monday afternoon that we had the call, and they told me that. Monday night, I get an email from a brand, Mm -hmm. and they say, you know what, we've been working on this campaign, and we had our meeting today, and you were chosen unanimously. Wow. Four times the cost of what I would have taken from this woman doing, Mm -hmm. right? My check to still do an hour's worth of work. Yeah. Right? And we emailed them back, had a call the next day. By Wednesday, they sent a contract. By Thursday, I sent it back. Deal done. I'll be speaking at this event in a couple months. And why do I say that? It takes faith to keep turning down money when you know it's not right. Yes. It takes faith. Yeah. But if you believe that God's got you, what you scared of? Yeah. What are you scared of? Oof. Oof. Amen. I had that aha moment last week as well. <laughs> it's been an eventful couple of weeks. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I don't know who needs to hear that, but all money is not good money. Well, and... I know it was definitely for me, if not for anyone else. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm glad I shared that. Amen. Next all pillar? Right. Work. Work is about living your life's purpose. And the big takeaway here is understanding that If you are unfulfilled in the work that you do day in and day out, you are so much more susceptible to mismanaging your finances. Okay. Because it creates a void like no other. You spend more time working than you do anything else in your life. Mm. (laughs) We spend more time Mm -hmm. working than we do anything else. And if Mm -hmm. that work is driving you nuts and driving you up a wall and making you say things like, well, I work hard, so I'm just going to go do this self-sabotaging behavior, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, 
it's creating a void that no paycheck can fill. Yeah. Yeah, it's creating a void that only really comes from doing purposeful work. Yes. Period. Yeah. And even when you can't do that purposeful work full time, I encourage you to do it on the side. Amen. I encourage you to volunteer and do it. Mm -hmm. But you have to get in the habit of doing it. You have to be exposed. You have to be introduced to new things, new concepts, new people, Mm -hmm. new revenue streams, new ideas. You have to put yourself in it. Yeah. So that you can see the potential. Yeah. But to stay on the outside and be like, well, I can't do that because my job is in the way. And then use the job as an excuse and how frustrated you are there to yes. mismanage your finances. It's a very vicious cycle. Ooh, why are you speaking into my life? <laughs> why? It's a vicious cycle. It is. Yeah. Okay. And money. Money. Finally, the I money know. lady gets the money, right? <laughs> so truly the big thing for me with money is that I really believe that people begin to naturally manage their money a, a bit better as they clean up these other areas because the mismanagement of the money comes from you know you spend more money on prescriptions when you're not healthy yeah you spend more money on doctor's visits yeah you don't get as much money as you could right when you're still mentally struggling with confidence and struggling with some things so you're making less because a lot of people dim their light they won't go after things there's a number of things right when you're trying to buy people is when you have a money problem yeah a lot of folks by people yeah you go out after work and you're like oh i got it but mm-hmm. you shouldn't mm-hmm. you don't pay for yourself mm-hmm. why who are you trying to prove <laughs> paying for everybody else right so when those areas are not where they should be mm-hmm. and you're trying to fill voids there that's what messes up the money so i really do i'm always like which one of them first four pillars do you need to get to work on yes And as that improves, you're going to see your finances naturally improve. Because here's the deal. It's not rocket science. Okay. This money stuff is not. There are people who were teachers for 30 years who died multimillionaires because they followed very basic principles. Okay. Not, you know, not lending money you can't afford to give. Yeah. Not putting all your eggs in one basket. Right. Saving 10% of your income. Okay. Paying for things in cash. These are all things that Big Mama has been saying for decades. Yes. Right? They're not like rocket science. The problem is when your mind is cluttered Mm. and when you're dealing with so many things distracting you in those other pillars, you can't just listen and adhere to the basic personal finance advice. And that is what really, when God really was calling me to redefining wealth, it was like, you can't keep talking to people about the same stuff and... You know, my peers and my counterparts, I always say I'm not in competition with them. I plant the seed so people can actually do what they say. So I don't talk about budgeting and credit reports like that anymore. I did for many years. But I'm like, let me help people get it together in the other areas so that they can hear you. Yes. So that they can finally understand because it's not that they're not hearing. They just don't hear. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're hearing you, but they cannot like absorb and embrace that information so the money stuff is really basic and i'm telling you all of a sudden it's like scales fall off and the same stuff you've heard a million times and Mm -hmm. that you've seen a million times all of a sudden becomes accessible to you because you're ready okay you giving me that okay Uh Uh uh-huh 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 got it okay yeah. Now, Patrice, where can people find you? 
You can find all things Patrice Washington at patricewashington.com. You can check out the Redefining Wealth podcast on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. And you can talk to me in social media. I really, really like Instagram. It's my favorite place right now. Although... I say it's funny and say it's my favorite place, but I don't really go on there either. Like, I'm, But, you know, to, to communicate with people in the DMs, that's where I love. It's so know. funny, y'all, because when I reached out to her, I was on LinkedIn, like super professional. And I literally found her like on Instagram because <laughs> of like an Instagram live. And I was like, I'm not going to slide in her DMs. Like, that's disrespectful. <laughs> and here no, she is telling y'all to no, slide in her DMs. It's, it's just the easiest because, like I said, I'm not attached to my phone. Yeah. So I try to limit you know, where am I going when I'm on there? And I have the most engagement on Instagram. So that's kind of like my go-to. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, and tell me that you found me on Iron Wifey. Yes. Like, you know, show Michaela some love for yes. bringing me out. And um, thank you so much for what you're doing. No, thank you. I really appreciate the, not even just the message that you're sharing, but the time that you're actually spending and sharing this message. I know that it's a commitment for you and it's a commitment for your family that they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily ask for. Yeah. But the fact that you're going out there and you're literally redefining wealth in the lives of so many women and men and children and families all over the world. Like, I really appreciate the gifts that God has given you and your obedience to walk in those gifts. Thank you so much. No, it's my pleasure. Now, Patrice, I do end every interview with the mm-hmm. same question. Okay. Now, Iron Wifey is derived from, or our motto is derived from Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen that states that as iron sharpens iron, one friend sharpens another. So mm-hmm. our motto is, as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. Love How it. are you sharpening the women in your life? By sharing everything that God gives me to share, I think I'm sharpening people by being obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, my natural tendency, I believe, would be to keep to myself. Okay. <laughs> and so being obedient okay. and sharing whatever is on my heart, whether I think it will be offensive or not, because it's not for me to say, you know, all truth doesn't come wrapped in velvet. So sometimes mm-hmm. you got to step on toes and yes, snatch a do. few edges. But um, I want to sharpen people by doing that in love and making sure that they know it's from a place of love. Mm. It's because I want to see you live your life's purpose. And I want to see you find fulfillment. And I want to see people earn more and not chase. And I want to see people honor God with their gifts. Amen. So, being obedient. Amen. Patrice, thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys, that was so good. If you didn't hear part one before you heard part two, trust me, go back and listen to part one because it's just as amazing. But just the major takeaways from part two are the six pillars. Like if you really think about it, getting our lives together in those six pillars will definitely shape our overall well-being like from the fit pillar and you know being healthy fit working out you know taking care of the temple taking care of your body to the people pillar and really surrounding yourself with uh, amazing and encouraging people in our lives making time and prioritizing the people who are in our lives and in our circles and just making sure that we're connecting on a deeper level with the people we love most to the space pillar and decluttering our lives like 
I know personally when it comes to my space, if there is clutter, if there is a mess, I feel like my whole life is a mess for real, especially with my car. Like if my car is a mess, then I feel like nothing else in life is in order, which is crazy because the space pillar is so important to our faith pillar and really taking the time to prioritize God and establish that relationship with God and build our faith and exercise our faith in, in every area of our lives. Because our faith pillar really fits in with our, our temple. It fits in with the people we surround ourselves. It fits in with our space and even more to the work pillar and just establishing a, a safe and healthy work environment, not becoming too overwhelmed with the work that we do, not, you know, becoming those people who are just obsessed with work, but having a healthy work-life balance um, and all the way to the money pillar. It just seems like everything just kind of flows and fits together like a perfect piece of the perfect puzzle when we have our fit pillar intact, our people pillar intact, our space pillar intact, our faith pillar intact, and our work pillar intact to where the money just kind of comes. And so Patrice really talks about, you know, like her main goal is to chase purpose and not money. And I believe those six pillars will truly help us, um, especially men and women who are trying to be about the father's business, who are who are aiming in everything to dedicate our lives and our business to whatever it is that God has or wants for us to do. Um, those six pillars are just crucial. They're crucial to make sure that we are healthy and well-rounded and we are taking care of every aspect in our business. And so I am extremely just in awe of the things that I've taken away from this interview. I am in awe of how good God is and how he really did like divinely orchestrate this interview because there were so many things. If you listen to part one, you know, there are so many things that stopped us from um, initially having this interview, but the way that the Lord just let everything fall into place. I am so grateful and I am so grateful for you all for tuning in. Make sure that you check out the links below and that you are supporting Patrice uh, in her Purpose Chaser community, in her Redefining Wealth podcast, in everything that she's doing. Um, I know that she recently established the Redefining Wealth community on Facebook. So go ahead to go on Facebook and join that so that you can surround yourself with other I believe it's typically for women, but um, you can always reach out if you are a man, but you can surround yourself with other women who are just getting the resources they need to establish a lifestyle that redefines wealth. And guys, I'm just, I'm taken back. I am so taken back by this entire experience. And I just want you all to know that in all things, make sure that you're putting the father first, make sure that you're truly being about his business and make sure that you're dedicating every area in your life, every pillar in your life to the Lord, because he will definitely uh, show you which path to take. He'll show you which direction he wants you to go in. He'll show you what the business is that he's calling you to do. And he will show you how to be a purpose chaser. So to Patrice, if I haven't already told you a million times, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and to you all, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of About My Father's Business. I will hear and I guess I won't hear you, but I will talk to you all next week. Bye.